Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our topic today is how to compensate a salesperson for your property management company. And if we have a chance, we'll get into specifically uh, um, on when you should hire that salesperson and maybe even uh, shed some light on how to find uh, an interview and um, retain the best salespeople for your property management shop. So to help me work through this, um, I have a guest here. His name is Duke Dotson. Um, he runs a company called Dotson Property Management. And, and Duke's been, um, he, he says, probably one of the fastest growing property management companies in the U.S. that I know of. And he's in the perfect position to speak on a subject. Duke, how are you? Good. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. So tell us just a little bit about your company and your story on when did you guys uh, first decided to have a salesperson and you know how many how far were you in, in your growth uh, trajectory sure <clears throat> I started my company in 2007 and it was just me so on day one I was the, the uh, business development person or salesperson um, right. we got to about uh, 300 units or so under management is when I decided to hire the first true full-blown business development person do you mind if I stop you right here for a second? Just ask you how how long did it take you to get to three hundred? About three years. I did about hundred units a year when it was just me doing it. Pretty good, pretty good. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we were about three hundred units three years into the business. Uh, the reason I decided to hire someone, um, a, uh, I was a good salesperson, but not a, not a great one, and I was doing business development slash sales maybe ten to twenty percent of my day because I was doing other things. And so I figured if I could find somebody better than me to do it and to do it full time, I should grow, uh, you know, multiple times faster than I'm growing on my own. And, and, it, and it was true. So I averaged about 100 units a year and it was just me. And then when I brought this guy aboard, we started averaging about 300 plus units a year. Wow. 300 plus units a year? Correct. Now that's an escalation that I'm sure, I'm sure most of our listeners would, uh, would love to participate in now. There's also something to be said, uh, maybe on the next episode, you and I will riff on, you know, setting up systems to be able to accept this kind of growth. Right. Um, sure. But most people, you know, 10, 10 properties a month is a good goal for a lot of folks, you know, 10 net properties per month. Um, sure. You know, so, so, but, but so I think the 300 is a great, um, uh, is a great kind of launching pad for, for the business development. So how did you, um, how did you, I mean, you, the, I don't know of any information out there in the, in the NARPOM community and the property management on compensation for the salespeople. So how'd you come up with a compensation strategy? So, yeah, you're exactly right. Early on, I had no roadmap or, or, or game plan of how to do it, so I had to make it up. Um, so I looked at first the, I, I looked at the type of person I wanted in this role and then figure out, okay, what kind of compensation model are they used to? So 
Um, it's, it's rare you're going to find somebody who has sales experience and a lot of property management experience. I mean, there's only so many folks in this role now, so unless you're going to poach this person for another company, it's going to be rare to find the person that has both sales experience and property management experience, specifically single family management experience. So um, I looked at other types of salespeople that I wanted to attract, and I thought looked in the, the pharmaceutical sales, medical sales world, those types of people, high energy, uh, results-driven type business development folks, and looked at those types of compensation models. And so they had a lot of, um, some had some salary plus commission, some had all commission. Uh, but what I liked about those models were the trails. So my first compensation plan I set up with that guy, um, it was straight salary, no, I'm sorry, straight commission, no salary, because I couldn't afford to pay a salary when I was that small. Um, but I built it so if he did well, then year two, three, and four, he would really start to do well. and it would be hard for him to walk away from it because of the trails. Um, and But he could earn a good income, but he'd only earn a good income if he performed. So you got him on more of a, a recurring uh, uh, compensation where he got to eat a little bit of what he killed over time, correct? So he had exactly. every account brought him a certain percentage? Exactly. So if he sourced a single-family home, for example, he would earn 25% of all revenue associated with that property for one year. If we retain that property for year two and year three, it would drop to 15%, then 5%, and year four, it would drop off. So that by year three, it was, and honestly, it was too much. <laughs> right, so, I'm thinking, yeah, pharmaceutical or property management, yeah, that sounds like a compensation is, is, is highly, um, you know, it, it's highly equalized. Uh, yeah, it's you can make a lot of money. So, I, what I learned was, more of the industry standard for that position was 25% year one and then nothing year two and three. I think a lot more folks were doing that. Um, now, I will say you get what you pay for, right? So if uh, if you really want that top-notch rainmaker, you know, they're going to need to make a good living. Um, I think it's really for a company to figure out what do they need. And you may not need that rainmaker. You may need, um, if you're getting a lot of warm leads, for example, SEO leads and content-driven leads, fourandhalf.com type leads, um, you don't necessarily need a rainmaker. You need someone who's who has some sales skills. You need someone who has uh, or good organization skills to respond timely, respond professionally, set up presentations, go through presentations. Um, but that person doesn't need to make $150,000 a year. Um, they may need may, may need sixty dollars to $80,000 a year uh, for that type of person. Uh, if you're paying rainmaker numbers, you got to make sure they're bringing in rainmaker numbers, meaning they're not just order takers. They're not just taking what comes in the door in the form of a warm lead, but they're actually farming their own leads. They're out there building long-term relationship investors and developers in your area. That type of person is hard to come by. That type of person needs 150K a year, um, but they should they should deliver that type of results as well. Gotcha. Okay, very interesting. Gotcha. So as uh, um, for a younger company, you know, full commission with 25% of ACV, which is annual contract value. Let's just get the terms because we're going to throw it out a lot annual contract sure. value for each property is kind of what, what they got paid. And initially you had a little bit of a continuation plan uh, that dropped the commission, but still kept them interested in the in, in staying with the company as they got all this recurrent income. My worry on the recurring um, is that you don't want your salespeople to get fat and lazy. You want them to be sharp. And as you call a rainmaker, love that term. Um, how, how, do you, how, how did you get out of that particular situation or, or did you? Okay, you broke up a little bit. Just run that question by me one more time. Please. Sorry. Well, so I, I felt like 
if you pay salesperson a recurring commission, they might get fat and happy. Where yeah. you know, it's, yeah. So, so I'm just curious, how how were you able to n get out of that situation, or or did you? Okay, so I will I will start with saying that now we're on our second business development person, and that person is on a completely different model. Um, he's on a partial salary, partial commission. That commission's a one-time hit when they source something, so they're not going to get fat and lazy. Um, but to answer your question, uh, the way you keep somebody from getting fat and lazy is you hire someone who's not prone to become fat and lazy, <laughs> somebody who's hungry and push, push, push. I think that's step one. Um, and step two is if they become fat and lazy, you need another person or you need to change their, their compensation model or both. But but now uh, we're on the much simpler they get a salary, they get X number of dollars per new property. Um, and so they have to they have to keep growing each month in order to keep making decent money. Gotcha, absolutely understood. So um, how many business development people you have? Do you, do you have one or, or more than one? We just have one now. Just had one guy who's here for about five years and he went on to another career. So now we're on our second guy who started about a year ago. Gotcha. Um, so what do you think the capacity realistic capacity. So let's say you let's say let's agree on terminology. So inbound is the inbound lead, right? It's we're talking four and a half, you know, AdWords leads, you know, blog leads, all those, you know, PMW, all those leads that come into your business, referrals, versus outbound leads. Outbound leads is whether it's a cold call, whether it's a you know Toastmaster uh, referral from you know the the thing that he attends or um you know realtor referral from a relationship he built. Outbound and inbound, what do you think the capacity for a good, well-rounded business development rep, how many properties can they bring in per month? So, because we have great vendors like PMW and Four and a Half, we have a very good SEO presence. Because of that, we get a lot of warm leads. And so, our goal for our guys: twenty-five units per month, so three hundred a year. Um, and to be honest, he'll hit a, in the winter. It slows up down a little. In the summer, it picks up a, a little. And you know, when you when you spike the big client that has ten or twenty or thirty, your numbers will spike a bit. Um, so he's on track to do that this year, uh, you know. But we're built so we can handle the client that has 20 units, 30 units, even 100 units. We can take that on. So if if you have that capacity, your goals can be pretty lofty. If you don't have the capacity to bring on that many that quickly, I think 10 is a much more reasonable number. Gotcha. But the capacity for the salesperson to perform and and have enough time to follow up and do do due diligence on every sale, you're saying is about uh, they can do 25. They can book 25 a month. Working 40 yeah, hours, working full-time. Yeah, he does 25 a month, and capacity is not an issue for him. Gotcha. Okay. Very, very cool. So let me present something that I've uh, uh, helped one of my uh, very good friends and property management owners implement in his shop, and it's been successful. I wanted to run this compensation plan by you, see what you think. So like, I'm going to go very specific to uh, uh, to a business that needs, that's about two to 300 units that needs 10 properties per month, okay? That has okay. an average rental rates, um, nothing crazy, nothing like California here. Um, but um, so here's what I'm thinking. Uh, to hire a good person, and by, by the way, remind me to talk about where to hire a good person because I'm finding this one place where you can poach the best salespeople and they're just they're ready to go. They're, they're not, they don't love where they're at, but where they at builds, uh, builds a good character. So um, anyway, going back to compensation plan. So I'm, I think paying a base to a person um, solidifies your commitment to them and their commitment to you. So 
I'm taking 28K base, okay? And a 7% ACV payout on every deal. In other words, 7% of annual contract value, right? For one year? Yes, sir. Uh, annual contract, right. 12 months worth of uh, uh, management fees plus the lease up. Um, okay. Average out, you know, most property management companies out there calculate their annual contract value as around $170, excuse me, $1,700, $1,700. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess depending, depending on market, sure, that, that's that's in the ballpark. In the ballpark, right. So at a 7% payout, you're looking at, uh, for 10 properties, if they close 10 properties per month, you're looking at about $1,200 in commissions. Okay. And $2,350 in base. Now, right. having said that, the salesperson is in charge of their own destiny. If they want to be, you know, want to stay at 10, they can stay at 10. Or if they build relationships and go to 20, obviously they double their compensation. And in fact, I would actually recommend putting accelerators beyond 10. So in other words, um, if they get 15, the, the next five are at a 10% payout. So mm -hmm. it really helps them overachieve and actually compensates them for the busy season because they have to work more and, and it helps them build the relationships required to get more business in the future. So it looks like the full uh, uh, salesperson compensation and 10 accounts working full-time for a month is not difficult. You, you and I know it's, it, it's not difficult. Uh, so 5,000 a month as a payout to a salesperson, you know, it's a comfortable li living in most places. Now you gotta adjust for your market, right, Duke? Because here our rents, our average rent is 3,200. So right. that that seventeen hundred annual contract value becomes, you know, thirty six hundred annual contract value. So the you know, the compensation is adjusted, and the salesperson will make, you know, uh, uh, fifty percent more. But then it's adjusted for cost of living because the rent is higher. So it's actually a fairly a fairly flexible model based on where you are. Um, so so far, what do you think of this sort of approach? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not too dissimilar to what um, our guys on now. Our guys now on a forty k base, he gets one hundred twenty five dollars per new property. Which we do the math is probably not much different than what you're suggesting. Mm -hmm. We don't do the accelerator. However, I see the benefit of that. A lot of industries do that. The accelerator really, like you said, rewards the person when they're super busy. Also rewards the the rock stars from the not so rock stars, and it. Um, keeps the rock stars there. If you, let's just say you're big enough, you have multiple salespeople, it's gonna keep the rock stars there because they're making a good living. Uh, if you wanna play devil's advocate to that comp plan, I'd say anytime you add complexity, you add the ability to mess things up, you add a little more administrative time and effort on your accounting team, you add, add more questions like, I thought it was this and it was this. So um, uh, if, as long as your systems are set up where your accounting staff uh, that does payroll can handle the accelerator model without too much complexity, the salesperson gets it, and you get it to a, a down to a science where there's not questions every month, where you're not arguing every month. That's the last. You want people to focus on growing. You don't want people to focus on arguing over details. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, again, I think I, like you said, every market's different. So in, in our, you know, for any position, I start with what experience does the client want, and then back into okay, what skill set do you need to deliver that experience. And then you back into okay, what skill for that skill set in my market? How much does that cost on an annual basis in former salary commission? And then look at okay, let's build the, let's build a compensation plan so it so it meets that need, right? So if if you're in a market and call it let's say 60k, we'll get the job done. 
and your and your model works out to 60k if they hit their goals, then boom, I, I think it's a winner. I like the idea of some base. You know, the first guy we hired uh, with no base and straight commission, that was that was shortly after the recession. The job market was horrible. People were begging for jobs. I would, I, you know, now that the labor market is pretty tough, it's pretty hard to find people. There's people have more options today than they did five, six years ago. So um, I doubt I would be able to hire somebody today without a base. Um, I think that almost everybody, almost everyone would prefer the base salary, a little bit less of an upside than the no salary at been a huge upside. Again, the exception are those rainmakers, the ones that want to make 150K and up. And that's usually not what we're talking about in this position. Agreed. Absolutely agree with you. So um, with that, and the reason why I put a percentage there, because I think I like the dollar amounts for simplicity. And as you call it, accelerators can be also simply, simply imported. But I have a question. Who does your business development person report to? Um, he used to report to me. Now he reports to... Uh, or less my director of single family management, which is one notch below me. Gotcha. And when you are, um, look back in your journey to get to 300, when you were at 200, uh, or even at 150, if you had a little bit of, um, let's say funding, because a lot of our, a lot of our customers or a lot of people have other businesses and they're building a real estate uh, management portfolio as part of it. So they have a, re- a successful sales business, something like that. They have money to invest. At what point would you hire that business development person knowing what you know now? Um, I think it depends on two things. Number one, how important is growth to you? And uh, I'm sorry, I, I'd say three things. How important growth is to you, uh, uh, your risk tolerance, um, because if you don't need to grow and uh, some growth is coming in the door, your your staff's managing it fine, you're probably going to be less prone to hire that person um, than if you really want to grow and you're willing to, sh- you know, because hiring a biz dev person is a risk. You're paying this person a salary. If he doesn't grow at all, you're, you're, burn- you're burning that money. So th- there is a risk there. And finally, you know, how many warm leads you have walking in the door now? Um, uh, if you've got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 leads coming in every month, then it's really not that risky. So um, for me, I hired at 300 units. Um, that, for me, it felt right. It probably was about right. Uh, but it did escalate my growth uh, you know, exponentially, much faster than I was doing on my own. So if anything, I would, I would have done it sooner because A, growth is very important to me. B, I have a pretty high risk tolerance. And C, I had, I had leads coming in the door. So it, it, it didn't seem very risky to me to do it at that time. That is very interesting. It's, it's actually quite similar to my own journey in four and a half. Now that I'm kind of thinking through what you said, three years. So the first three years, I was the only salesperson in the company. I felt I could represent it best um, to the customer. And I put all the efforts into, you know, product. You know, as you say, management, you know, management, same thing for us. We just manage marketing campaigns versus managing property and people. But, uh, you know, at around year two and a half, I started having issues with missed opportunities. Right. right. Two, two and a half years. So re- in retrospect, um, if I wasn't a salesperson, because I am a salesperson, I, I've been, I grew up being a salesperson. That's who I am. Uh, I, that's who I identify with. So, you know, I, it was hard for me to give up the control of customer experience initially when they just first picked up the phone and called four and a half. I want them to feel absolutely taken care of. Like the value proposition is absolutely clear. I know everything about the customer. 
blah blah blah. And it was hard for me to give give that up. But about year three is where I just couldn't handle it, and and I started building a professional sales team. And you know now we have what four people, three three people, and a, and a customer success manager, but uh, who is in charge of renewals uh, and upsells within the company. But um, what's interesting, I have you found any opportunities for you to upsell into your existing customer base? In other words, do you guys have new products coming down online or any, any kind of new services that you're introducing? Um, so, so yes and no. So yeah, it absolutely frees you up to think bigger picture, um, which, which may mean you may think of think ways of upsell of services to add. I mean, obviously a lot of people will add a sales division, which we did, you know, and allow me to bring on uh, the appropriate realtors that could work work with our investors, and so, and then from a thirty thousand square foot view, could figure out how to uh, how to market those services to our clients. That's just one example, but sure, we 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 do offer some upsells and things like that. Um, our biz dev guy um, has his head down closing business. Um, as he builds out his team, eventually, I will probably pass that off even more to him as far as being a true director of business development, to include other forms, you know, marketing, not just Biz dev and closing new business, but but you know doing things to generate that business. So whether it's SEO, marketing campaigns, joining certain networking groups, um, things of that nature. Gotcha. And as far as so, let's let's take a step back for a second. Going back to the numbers I've uh, um, I've discussed uh, about the compensation plan. I have actually done a bit of unit economics math here to figure out under this model. If you do acquire 10 brand new clients per month, what is the customer acquisition cost? And the customer acquisition cost is essentially your cost to acquire a customer, you know, uh, um, as far as marketing and sales, right? Marketing and sales. So if you have a, you know, average $1,500 a month marketing budget and you pay the salesperson what we discussed, um, what I found is that the customer acquisition cost is 500 and about $500 exactly. Okay. So, um, with a lifetime value of around fifty-one hundred, given the example that we used, you know, less than ten percent. So, so spending less than ten percent of a lifetime value of a customer to acquire a customer is a great math. So, um, you know, if this works out, I you know, I'd put as much money as possible back in business, right? Sure. Um, and, and grow it up portfolio. But having said that. You know, we all base this stuff on annual contract value, and what it means is it t- it's going to take you a year to collect. Right. <laughs> um, and that means that you better have a good retention and good systems, good processes, good people to make sure you keep the customers. What is your average retention? Have you figured out, Duke, what is, how long does an average customer stay with Dotson Property Management? Yeah, uh, we lose about uh, 7% of our single-family clients each year. Okay. Um, and that goes up a bit when the market spikes, you know, like we'll lose more in March, April, and May uh, to the sales market. Um, we'll lose some because we mess it up. We lose some because they want to move back in. We lose some because they foreclose. Um, so uh, I, I don't have a good metric for you for the average lifespan. Um, I'm, I'm only eight years old. So, uh, I, you know, I don't have 30 years of data. I've just got eight years of data. And we didn't really start tracking certain things until one or two years sure, ago. Sure, of course, yeah. Uh, my guess is it's three, you know, three to five years, but uh, I couldn't tell you the exact number. Three to five, got you. Okay, all right. So one last thing. Um, let's talk about. We have a bit of a time, you know, a few minutes, but let's find out how. Well, 
how to find that right salesperson. Um, and, you know, I found a lot of success uh, going in the bank. Going in the bank and um, you know, talking to a personal banker, but more even a junior role, somebody who was in a stepping stone before the personal banker. Because uh, banks have fairly aggressive goals. They hire smart people and right. they don't pay them jack. Right. <laughs> even yeah. though banks is where the money at, they don't pay their people very much at all, I've found. And we've had great, one of the best people in my company, two of them now, uh, came from that uh, background. Right. Um, have you had anything, any experience with bankers in the past? Uh, not bankers specifically. Uh, customer service, yes. Um, existing sales, yes. So, like, yeah, the first guy was a salesperson who, like I said earlier, did medical sales and that type of sale. Um, second guy came up through property management, but had had good people skills. And so, you know, the first guy had sales experience when to teach him property management. The second guy um, had property management experience when to teach him a little bit of sales. But yeah, I, th I think I think yeah, what you're saying is a is sounds sounds right. The uh, the personal banker, the guy who's who's works with people, he's he's outbound marketing a lot, making calls that may be uncomfortable at times, those kind of things. He's already got that experience, um, and you're right, they don't make very much. You know, they they have that upside down the road. Do I become a financial advisor? Correct. Or do I go another route? And so yeah, I think you know folks that have some sales experience maybe. Good salespeople in crappy sales jobs. You know, people selling copiers, people trying to be a financial advisor. You know, one out of ten of those guys make it. The other nine have to find sales jobs elsewhere. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think some basic background in sales is, is usually important. They've, they've already learned the basics, the fundamentals of prospecting and follow up and handling objections and you know asking asking for the sale. Um, you know, when, when they say when they hear a no, digging and finding out why the client, the customer is saying no, so they can then improve. You know, come back to you and improve systems. I think that's a, something we haven't mentioned. I think is important too is in the salesperson. Are you getting to somebody who can take orders and close business, or can you some? Can you have someone that can shape the process? Because as a small company, which most NARPA members are small or starting out small, um, you know, the process is not already there. You have to create the sales process. You have to create that. The marketing you do, you have to create the once it comes in the door, how we hand it off to a property management, you know, to a property management staff, and you're building checklists and you're building forms and procedures and processes. And a, a salesperson who um, comes on the property management side can help with that a lot more because they've, they've lived in that world. And so, um, you know, it, again, it's going to be hard to find somebody with sales experience and property management experience. If you can, you know, God bless you. But if you can't, uh, you're going to have to teach them the other side. But both both sides are valuable, the, the management experience and also the uh, sales experience. Yeah, I have a take on this as well, Duke. So um, we found that it's, I, you know, we're not bringing any salespeople, any salespeople with marketing, digital marketing knowledge or experience at all. We found that we're so unique, we're so niche in this industry that we want to teach them our trade. We want to get them to participate in every kickoff call, visit customers. We invest a good 60 days of full-on training before we unleash them on the world of people like you. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, right, it's, it, and the thing is that I don't want them to have, you know, to some extent, marketing knowledge and experience because what they know is probably wrong, uh, or at least that's not what we practice. Um, right. well, that's one thing. Second thing, it's a lot harder to find a person like that, and they're you know they, they will demand to be compensated accordingly without, you know, um, without proving themselves first. 
um, and also found retail banking, retail, retail banking, and also retail as a great way to poach. So a lot of property managers say, well, help me. Can you help me write a Craigslist ad? Or I can't, nobody responds to my ad for a salesperson. And I look at their ad and I want to take it behind a barn and shoot it, right? And <laughs> never, ever show it to people again. Because, you know, the ad, you know, we spend as much time writing the, our Craigslist, you know, employment ads as we are interviewing people as a whole, because it takes a lot of it. We put pictures, we, we sell our company. And I would recommend for property managers who don't have time to sit there and compile, you know, uh, breathtaking ads, is essentially write up a quick job requirement, understand what it's gonna look like, and go take a bunch of business cards and go to your favorite retail shops nearby and poach somebody. There are people who work in hourly rates who are absolutely you know, great and, and they're set for greatness. I remember I used to work at Radio Shack and then I got promoted as a manager. I've been there for five years. Look, man, I was very passionate guy. And if somebody approached me, a business owner, a local business owner and said, hey, there's opportunity there for you, I'd be all for it. I'm not saying I'm the best in the world, but I do, I do a good job. And there are plenty of people like that out there. Sure. Um, so, you know, a little bit of walking around will land you a good person. But as far as, you know, sales process, there are a bunch of resources. So one of the things, fourandhalf.com has a blog. We have a blog and we ha actually have a book, The Art of the Sale um, for Property Managers. So that thing pretty much spells out the sales process or at least initially gives you an idea of basic steps. Leadsimple.com's got a sales course and lots of that. There's lots of stuff out there. So once you hire that salesperson, you know, just expose them to this content and then test them. You know, don't just set it and forget it. So, uh, sure. but but yeah, I think uh, Duke, I, I really appreciate your time. Are there any parting words of wisdom? Um, I, I think that uh, you did mention it, but I, I did think before you go to hire a salesperson, I think it's very important to have your ducks in a row so you're you're built for growth and ready for growth because you don't want to spend all this money getting new business in the door only for it to go right out the door. Um, so before before opening the the uh, you know the spigot so to speak you want to make sure it, you're ready for it. Um, second is and you touched on it a little it is to really think about what what values and what culture your organization has before attracting this person because this person is going to be the face of your organization to a lot of people early on. They'll be the first and only contact for a while until they get in the door, um, and so they're going to speak volumes about who you are as a company and, and what and, and finally just figure out what you want right. What do you want that that the cheaper, more affordable order taker, just to process warm leads coming in the door, or do you want this person who's going to go out and, and get their own business um, and understand those are two different things that two different price points, um, but obviously two different sets of results as well. That's all I got, man. Well, sounds good, Duke. This was uh, incredibly helpful. Uh, thank you for your time and effort, and um, thank you for listening. Absolutely, man. See you in Hawaii. Hell yeah.